You know, I, I want you to know, church family, I love you all, and um, my heart goes out to each one of you, and, and I'm thankful for you, and, and um, I, I love you so much. I just can't even imagine not being a part of Memorial Baptist Church, and um, I say that, uh, you know, tonight um, we're, uh, um, the end of this month, Corey and Crystal will be leaving us and um, moving to Amarillo, and uh, it's kind of a bittersweet thing. We, they've We've grown to love them, and, and uh, uh, especially Crystal and sometimes Corey. But um, we, we, uh, we, we love them, and, and we want to uh, just wish them well. And so this evening at 6 p.m., uh, we're going to have uh, supper together, just a, a family fellowship. And so I want you to come and, and uh, eat fajitas with us. I'm making fajitas for this evening. And so you come, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's a fajita buffet, Okay. So you come and, and eat, and if you want to bring a dessert, then bring a dessert, and we'll have a potluck. We'll just set those desserts on the table, and you can dish yourself up uh, some dessert. It should be a lot of fun. Um, we're just uh, wanting to bless them and say uh, farewell to them. And, and uh, there will also be a uh, money and gift card tree if you want to bring something and just uh, uh, put something there. But, uh, you know, it's just a, a time of fellowship for us to get together and enjoy. Um, so, so come be a part of that at 6 p.m. tonight. Um, also, next Sunday is Mother's Day, so I'm going to tell you right now, call your mom, okay? But um, I also hope that you will come a little bit early, and uh, we're going to have muffins with moms next Sunday morning in the Great Hall. So uh, bring your mom, and uh, mom, bring your kids, and, and if you want to come and, and, and have a little fellowship ahead of time, we would love that, but that'll be next next Sunday morning. But um, I love you all. If you have your Bible and would turn with me, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 2 for a little bit. There's a couple of portions of Scripture I want to read, and then I'll be in John, 1 John 4. Excuse me. You know, in, in recent weeks and months, we've been talking about and been looking at renewal. Of what renewal looks like, um, not only in our personal lives, but also in the church. And, um, you know, there's, there's several qualities that we've talked about regarding our own spiritual renewal. And... I would say to you this morning that renewal in the believer's life, we cannot overlook uh, the most important quality in a believer's life, which is love. Thank you. Because love is one of those things that we tend to overlook when we think about renewal. But love is essential in the life of the believer and in the life of the church. I mean, Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 tells us that we are to speak the truth in love. It also says for the edifying, the building up of the church in love. And, and without love, there, there is no true growth. We need love. You see, the church at Ephesus left its first love. I want to read just this portion of scripture in Revelation 2, uh, beginning in verse 1. It says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false." And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Verse 4, but I have this against you. 
that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember what you, from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant uh, to eat the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. See, the church at Ephesus left its first love. Notice the church didn't lose its love. It left its love. It left its first love. See, the Lord Jesus Christ reveals how important that first love is. The Ephesian church had lost its focus. They had taken their eyes off of Jesus. And they were doing some very good things, but they focused their eyes upon their works and the things they were doing for Jesus rather than keeping their eyes on Jesus. And folks, that is in essence what idolatry is is worshiping something we've created. The things that we are doing, all well and good, the ministries that we're involved in, the the mission work that we do, all of the things that we do in, in order to love our neighbors. But if we take away that first love, then it's all for naught. See, if Jesus desires and demands that first love be returned to the believer's life, how can we do that? That's what he told them. He said, remember where you have fallen from, repent, and go do those things that you did at the first. And so, how do we do that? How do we become renewed? And the answer is by observing the order of our love. I mean, Jesus tells us, excuse me, John tells us that love comes from God. John tells us in 1 John 4, and I want to read there, 1 John 4 just a few pages over from where we were. John, 1 John 4, uh, verse 7 and following. John writes this. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God is manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the appeasement, the atonement for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we, love God, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. 
But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. See, John tells us that love comes from God. And the only people who can love in this truly giving way are those who have been reborn by the act of God's grace. In order for us to love the way John is talking about here. And John's argument is simple. He says if God's spirit resides in us, his character and his attitude should influence us. I mean, we should begin to reflect the loving outlook that, that, that God himself has. In fact, John argues that if we do not begin to reflect this love that God gives us, then we give evidence that we truly don't belong to him. That's kind of scary. See, there are people who are unloving, who are unkind, always criticizing, whispering, gossiping, pleased when they hear something against another believer. And my heart grieves for them. It bleeds and it grieves for them because they are pronouncing, they are proclaiming that they are not born of God. They are outside the life of God. And I repeat, there's no hope for such people as this unless they repent and turn to him. You've seen them and so have I. And you know right away that they do not belong to God. Because if they did, the love would be evident in their life. Now don't miss this. Because we tend to think that love is natural. (laughs) We tend to think that love is, is natural, but in truth, desire is natural. You're born with desires, and yes, desire is natural. And and I would say even attraction is natural. But the kind of love that the Bible speaks about is supernatural. Apart from God, you won't have it. So so naturally, we tend to think, uh, we tend to have a love that is largely selfish. Okay? In our natural state, we, we desire things. We have an attraction to things. And, and we think that is called love, but it's not. This love is supernatural. We're attracted to and we're kind to those to whom we are drawn to. And we love because of what we receive or what we hope to receive. And so our love is largely selfish in nature. And the kind of love that comes from God goes beyond the surface. It's not just that, that, that surface, uh, superficial love. It's not conditional on a person's response. It's anchored in the value that is inherent in the individual, individual as we are seen through God's eyes as his masterpiece. The one that, that he made in his image. That's who we are. See, that's the kind of agape love that Paul describes. That's the kind of love that John is talking about here. Paul described it in in 1 Corinthians like this. He said, love is patient. Oh, we are some of the most impatient people. Hurry it up, preacher. I got things to do today. 
You know what I'm talking about. We go through the drive-thru and we, and we want it now. And, and, and if it's a little bit, takes a little bit of time, we're impatient. Hurry up, hurry up. And the idea is love is patient. When you love people, you will be patient with them. When you love your spouse, you are patient with them. When you love your brother and sister in Christ, you will be patient with them. He says love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Folks, that is a supernatural love. That none of us have within us inherently, naturally. It has to come from God. He loves us. You see, first love is his love for us. I love this. Because John, he literally writes here. He says those, if you were just to literally translate it, it says those who are loved, let us love. If you've received the love of God, then love others. Those who are loved, let us love. And that love verb, the the verb love is, is in the present tense, which calls this to be our daily practice, something that is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. See, I want to tell you just 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 a little bit about that love. That love that comes from God, it's unspeakable. And what I mean by that is it's unspeakable because I can't explain it. And I cannot describe it to you. The kind of love that God has for each one of us. His love is unspeakable, but it's also unending. I love that because it's eternal. When this world is long gone and passed away, his love will continue. When I am gone from this earth, his love for me will continue. It's unending, it's eternal, it's also unselfish. Not like my love, not like the love that that, that we give. His love is unselfish. It's also unmerited. And at this point is where I break down and cry because I didn't earn his love and I don't deserve it. I deserve what his son Jesus took for me. But he did that so that I wouldn't have to. So that I could be made right with God so that his love could flow through me. And apart from that, That undeserving, unmerited love. It's also unconditional. I love that. Because that means that it's not based on what we can or cannot produce. It's a product of God's heart. I can't conjure it up. It's Him living through me. It's Him living through you. And there is no one, no one can ever reach a place where they will not be loved by God. We need to hear that. Because many times we've bought into the lies of Satan. 
We've bought into his deception that we're not good enough or that we don't give enough or that we don't serve enough or that we're this or that we're that. But the reality is, is that God's love is unconditional. You can't earn it and you don't deserve it. But God loved us first. He loved us anyway. And he loves us eternally. (laughs) And let me give you one more little piece. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. (laughs) That is in Christ Jesus. Oh, we need that. See, that first love is so full of his love for us that our love is our response to him and to others. So when he loves us, then we are enabled to love him and to love others. Listen, everyone that God has saved in the past, everyone that has put their faith and trust in him, they continue to give evidence of that fact in their life today. When he saves you, he saves you for all eternity. When he, when he puts his seal upon you, you are saved for all eternity. And to me, that is a wonderful thing because that allows us to continue to show forth the evidence of his love in our life each and every day. Not only to him, but to each other. To those around us. I mean, those whose lives are not characterized by love for others, they're not Christians. They're not believers, no matter what they claim. This is what John is talking about when he says, For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But he that does not know God does not know love, for God is love. You see, the Jewish Leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees in Jesus' day, as well as the false teachers in the church in John's day, they knew a lot about God, but they didn't know Him. See, the absence of God's love in their lives, it revealed their unregenerate condition as conclusively as their conflicting theology. They had a problem with Jesus because Jesus was showing them God's love. And it conflicted with their own theology. So how do we leave our first love? You know, we we, we come to Christ, we we give him our life, and then then somehow we, we forget about his love for us. And here's the problem, is we think only about love in terms of our love for God. Rather than his love for us, we think about ourselves and we think about um, our love for him and for ourselves. But folks, that's not enough. It's not a one-way street. He loved us first. See, we get that relationship reversed. And we think somehow, well, if I just serve him more, if I just uh, am more committed, if I just do more of this or more of that... But understand it's his love that first comes to us that creates in us a love for him and for others. See, so how is our love renewed? By concentrating on God's love for us. And by thinking, reviewing, and meditating on his first love. And as we do this, our love becomes so full of his love that it allows us to then give that love back to him 
and also to others. And I want to, I want to focus in on two thoughts here, two basic thoughts about love. And the first one is God's unconditional love for us. And I, I think this is very important because if we're talking about renewal, if we're talking about um, renewing our, ourselves to, to, to him and to his bride, the church, and, and, and to what we need to be doing, his love becomes the, the fountain from which all else flows. I mean, anything that is unconditional, just by the very nature of the word, means that it's not subject to conditions or limitations. So if his love is unconditional, there are no conditions or limitations. It's not dependent on certain responses being produced. But how does God love us that way? How does he love us unconditionally? I mean, we, we, we think about that, and, and I, want, I want you to know something, that God does not love us sentimentally. I'm thankful that God does not love us sentimentally. I mean, think about this. Our culture uses the word love for a lot of different things, in a lot of different ways. I mean, people will say things like, I love pizza. They're not loving pizza the way God loves you. Unconditionally. You know, without, without, without conditions or without limitations. Or, or we say, I love the mountains, or, or I love the rivers and the lakes, or, or, or I love my children. We want to think that we can love our children unconditionally. But the only way we can love our children unconditionally if, if we recognize that God's love for us first. Because what happens is, is that selfishness gets in the way. I mean, we often think that love is a sentimental, kind of syrupy feeling, warm, fuzzy, if you will, you know, that kind of thing. That's not love. That's not what love is talking about. We need to remember a, a biblical definition of love. I mean, and it's based on several similar texts. If you think about John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Or even in John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, you must also love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Ephesians 5, 2. Ephesians 5, 25. 1 John uh, 4, 9 and 10. He talks about the love, and it's a biblical definition of love. And this is the definition. Biblical love is a self-sacrificing, caring commitment that shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one loved. That's a biblical definition of love. I don't care what you see in Hollywood. I don't care what you read in novels. This is the biblical definition of love. A, a, a self-sacrificing, caring commitment that shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one loved. I mean, at its heart, biblical love is a commitment. And so it can be commanded. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. But it's not without feeling. It's a caring commitment. In other words, it, it, it does involve delight, not just duty. 
There's, there's, there's more to it. And, and, and also, this, is, this caring commitment is not just an attitude, but it's an action because it shows itself. It does something. It shows itself in deeds. And those deeds often require self-sacrifice. I mean, that's completely seen in Jesus dying on the cross for us. See, the goal of this commitment is the highest good of the one loved, which is that a person can be saved and be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And so biblical love allows for correction when needed. I'm so thankful that God disciplines me because it reminds me that I'm one of his. It reminds me that I'm part of the family. I can't just do anything I want. There's standards. There's a commitment. There's sacrifice. I can't just do whatever. I've got a, I've got a, I've got a family here, and he's, he's holding me to that. He corrects me, and he disciplines me. I know this, that God's love, he loves us whether we respond or not. Think about that for a moment. He loves us whether we respond or not. He also, God's unconditional love has no limits. He loves all people everywhere. And his love is not limited to friends. It also goes out to enemies. It's also not limited to how long it lasts. To how long the love is. Because it's eternal. God's unconditional love is not based on our performance. Praise the Lord. I mean, he loves us in spite of our disobedience. In spite of our rebellion, in spite of our selfishness, in spite of our weakness, He loves us. Folks, that is huge. He loves us no matter what. And God's unconditional love is, He cares for us, each one as though we're special. I love that because everybody likes to feel special to someone. And the fact that God looks at you and he looks at me and we, he, we, he makes us feel special because of his love for us. I mean, how, how wonderful is his love? So we have God's love for us. It's unconditional. But our second thought about love is this. What about our unconditional love for others? This is where the rub comes. Because we do have to die to self. We do have to give it all to Him. See, our unconditional love for others, if God loves us unconditionally, we ought to love ourselves and others without strings attached. But that's not the way the world works. The rest of the world wants to attach strings to that love. See, when we love unconditionally, and hear my heart, we love others no matter their response. It doesn't matter how someone else responds to me. I'm going to love them unconditionally. Because God allows me to do that. See, when we love others unconditionally, we love them without setting limits on our love. I'm not going to do that. Or oh boy, that's as far as I go. I can't continue to love them. No. When we love them unconditionally, we don't set limits on the love. I've heard, I've heard moms tell their children, I love you to the moon and back. 
It's a little bit limiting. I know it's a long ways. But you think about that. Do we have limits to how far we will go in our love? When we love unconditionally, we love everyone. Everyone. That means we refuse no one. As the body of Christ, it's not ours to refuse. He looked down and he saved us. He pulled us out of the, out of the, 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 the muddy pit and he set our feet on the solid rock. Amen. He's given us that unconditional love when we didn't deserve it. Who are we to say that we're not going to love somebody, that we're not going to invite them, that we're not going to be there for them? You see, we love constantly even as Jesus loved his disciples. And scripture tells us that he, he loved them to the end. There wasn't a point where he said, Judas, you're out of here. There wasn't a point where he said, you knuckleheads, I'm tired of it. We wouldn't blame him if he did. They seemed kind of thick-headed. They were a bunch of fishermen. Sorry, Gary. But the idea is, is he loved them to the end. And he loves everyone. And we love others based not on what they do, but on who they are. They are a creation of Almighty God. His masterpiece created in His image. And so therefore we love them. See, we all make mistakes. But our love is not based on another person's performance. Joel's told me before, and I hope he tells me again, I love you. My mind's made up and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, that's the way it is with God. He loves us that way. But you see, we love others without expectations. This is where we really have to listen in. Because when we love with expectation, and those expectations are not fulfilled, then we tend to get inwardly hurt. Instead of loving according to our expectations... Why don't we love people according to their needs? Not what I think they should be. Not what I think they should live up to. But according to what their need is. Because when my expectation isn't met, it's easy for me to get hurt. Or it's easy for me to feel like you haven't met my expectation, so I'm going to withhold love. That's the selfish nature coming out. But when God, through his unconditional love, is pouring through me, it allows me to say, I'm not loving you because of anything you do. I'm loving you because of who you are. Now, what is it that you need fulfilled? You don't have to perform for me. You don't have to do it for me. See, if, if, if we yield and present our expectations to the Lord then those expectations, we are free to love and the other person is free to respond. But as long as those expectations are there, they're looking at them, we're looking at them, and we all know that we fall short. Folks, let's just free up each other to love as God loves us. I mean, what if we express that true, unconditional love to the people in our families? 
Stop expecting them to be a certain way. Stop expecting them to do what you want them to do. Stop expecting them to be all that you conjure up in your mind for them to be and love them the way God created them. I mean, what what if we loved unconditionally in our communities? What if we saw people the way God sees them? rather than the way we choose to look at them. What if we expressed that unconditional love in the church? Folks, there would be renewal. There would be renewal in the church. Because we would be more concerned about God's love than we are about our love for someone else. And how is God's love being poured to them through me? I mean, we have to admit that we can't do it on our own. And that it only comes from God. See, we have to admit our inability, but also recognize that it's God's command. Yeah, you can't do it on your own, but he commands you to do it. So you're going to need his power. And you desperately need his power. See, the only way we can love as God loves is to have his love in us. And when we yield ourselves to him and make ourselves available to him, his ability will flow through us to others. His ability is released by our availability. We make ourselves available to him. And and when was the last time that you made yourself available for God to love other people through? See, if love is the mark of a believer, do people recognize that we belong to Christ? I think that's important because people with a heart for God have a heart for other people. I mean, the Ephesian church, I'm almost done, they were not lacking in works. Jesus even said, I know your deeds, and you're doing some good things, but you left your first love. The motivation for the works had changed, and now it was adversely affecting their results. You see, the result is that a Christian organization becomes just one more social institution doing good works, but really failing to engage the culture with the priority of salvation. We can get busy going on mission. We can get busy doing a lot of things. But if we're not telling them about Jesus Christ, what have we done? Apart from that, we have no mission. Go, make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. I mean, our, our goal is to go make disciples. So the solution is found in retracing our steps and remembering our first love and repenting and doing those things that we did at the first. See, because God is love, The most important way to reflect the heart of the Father 
is by showing others the love that characterizes him. I mean, when you think about this, this is really a family trademark of the family of God. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Wear that family trademark proud. Love others the way God loves them. See, we learn to love as we draw near to God through Jesus Christ. We learn how to love as God loves us. My prayer is this. Father, teach us. Teach us to love with the love of Christ. That others might see your love reflected in our care and concern for them. And may your love drive and dominate our responses to life and to other people.